You're listening to Underestimated. Real stories from real women. Discussing how they've overcome everyday hurdles and rose above. We will not be underestimated. For my first time listeners, I started this podcast with the idea to create a children's book series that empowered girls and quickly realized that there are many more real life stories from women I know that I could take and repurpose for my children's book series. So I created this podcast, interviewing strong women and hearing their experiences of overcoming hurdles. You'll even hear a brainstorming session at the end of every episode where we work to plan out how we can translate their experiences into a children's book. I'm going to introduce uh, Ms. Larissa Tater to all of my underestimated podcast listeners. Larissa and I met a couple of years ago. Um, she worked with Dan, my boyfriend, and she's a rock star and a badass, um, mostly because she is so she just figured out how to navigate her career, and I'm super envious of that. I go to her a lot for advice. Um, when I'm looking to make career changes or when I'm trying to figure out how to improve and grow in my career. So she's also has some pretty awesome stories about changing careers and changing industries. So I look to her a lot for that as well. But also Larissa came from a small town and just, I think has amazing um, work ethic and some different type of stories than some of the other guests I've had on. So do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure. Yeah. So uh, thanks for the intro. Um, again, my name is Larissa. I'm a product manager at a software company here in Austin. Um, as Crystal mentioned, I came from a very rural area, more of a community than anything else. I grew up on a farm. We raised horses, cows, and pigs. Um, and then I came to Austin for college, uh, not necessarily because I wanted to, I just wanted to upset my parents. I did a great job, uh, and I've stayed. So here I am. <laughs> How upset were they when you came to Austin? Oh. They were, they were not pumped. So basically how I really ended up getting here was uh, I had a boyfriend at the time and we were very serious and I was going to go to college with him. Like we were going to stick together. And so I was going to go to Corpus A&M uh, with him and my parents were not into that one. They just didn't really think that we should be together. And so they're like, no, if you can go to UT or A&M, then that's where you're going to go. And I'm like, fine. I know you don't want me to go to UT. You're just doing that because you know that I need options because I'm not going to pick the one you want. And you're right. So I'm going to pick UT and you're going to just have to get over it. And, like, oh my God. and then I finally, I ended up getting a full ride to Corpus. They're like, no, we take it back. Like you should go there. And I'm like, no, this has already been decided. You will not make me change. Like, oh, it was horrible. Um, it did not go well. They were not pumped. Especially after I got that scholarship because they're like, oh God, now we're going to have to pay for this mistake. <laughs> well, how do you feel about passing up all this scholarship? I'm kind of. <laughs> I mean, well, honestly, actually, so I ended up graduating early. So UT ended up paying for me to go anyways. Oh, nice. So I had like a thousand bucks back or something. 
which was pretty cool. But we also did the Texas Tomorrow Fund. And okay. so there was already like money put away. Like, again, it was so basically with that, I didn't have, I paid DT prices uh, starting like from the, like when I was in the fifth grade. So one, it wasn't like the craziest expensive thing of all time. And two, I actually did end up getting paid to graduate early. I know it's only just a thousand dollars, but that was pretty cool. But also like the education I got there and the experience in general, I'll just go with the experience, but it's completely different than what I would have gotten at Corpus. I mean, yeah. So well, I think that's, uh, that's, the, I think every campus and every college you do have slightly varying experiences just because like the culture on every campus is different. Definitely, definitely. I mean, and to be fair, like I actually didn't really like UT while I was there. Cause again, I'm a country girl and this was not conducive to anything of that lifestyle. You should have gone to a and We could I have had been friends. friends. <laughs> so I almost did um, when I was like halfway through it, or I guess like my first sem- or my first uh, year, I was, I was absolutely miserable. I actually ended up getting sick. Like it was, horrible just because of the stress like the culture shock of everything I mean I put myself on a completely different planet and had to figure that out and so I was so distraught and so I was going to transfer to A&M but I was in uh, journalism school and A&M's journalism school wasn't very strong not to mention it doesn't even exist anymore and so I was agriculture journalism and communications yeah that was not the same (laughs) (laughs) I, I have a minor in comms and then ag journalism. <laughs> so nice. nice. It's interesting. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. And I was wanting to do sports journalism. Um, and so I basically was like, well, this is important enough to me. Like this career is important enough to me. Like I'll stick it out. I'll figure it out. And I ended up getting a job with the athletics department anyways. And that's really when I started to like find people who were like me and had a better time. So I do have to say, if you were my kid and you passed up a full scholarship, I would have killed you. <laughs> I don't think I would have paid for her. <laughs> like, I would have been like, you know what? We're taking this fun back. You, you're parents, not getting this. <laughs> my parents painted themselves in that corner. <laughs> That's what the difference is. Like, if I'd have just been like, no, I don't want to go to that school. They'd have been like, get over it. But they'd already told me I couldn't go there. And so they uh, couldn't really take it back. Oh, they could have, but... Yeah, they could have, but again, but they were like the in the beginning. It was like we're not paying for your college if you don't go to UT or A and M. Like we're not paying for you to go to Corpus. They knew they were stuck. That's so funny because then, well, I mean, if you really wanted to go to Corpus, you could have gone, and it wouldn't have mattered. <laughs> exactly. How did you get from sports comm to product? Oh dear, <laughs> software product. <laughs> <laughs> so many jobs. My LinkedIn is horrible. I was actually just looking at it and I was like, Wait. like my LinkedIn looks like that too. I think it makes you well-rounded, honestly. But. Yeah. I mean, and honestly, that's kind of what you need in product management. There's no real path to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of have to, you, you get there by learning all of the different business aspects. And then finally it's like, someone's like, oh yeah, we'll take a chance on you, but it's not a career or it's not a, um, degree or anything like that so but yeah so I wanted to be a sports writer just because like sports is all I've ever known and I was a good writer that just made sense because I didn't know of any other types of careers at all out there Um, and writing you know was just easy for me 
And so did that. But again, like I said, I graduated early and um, I wasn't getting any of the sports writing jobs that I wanted to. So basically I worked for the athletics department in college as a sports information director. And what those people do is they write all of the game stories that are on texassports.com. I actually even got one picked up by ESPN once. It was really cool. Ooh. A little couple days of fame. Uh, so that was awesome. Uh, but we conduct all of the press conferences and things like that. Um, and so that's basically like what I wanted to do. But those jobs are really, really hard to come by. Uh, they're typically at colleges. And so you have to be fully open to moving at any given point in time. But another problem as well is like, it's not a lot of money and you don't get holidays off and things like that. Um, and my family is very close to me. And so going to all of those holidays, like you just don't skip them. So that became difficult. And then again, so I didn't get any jobs. And at that point I knew I wanted to stay in Austin because I'd made quite a few friends. And so I took, well, I took a sales job doing door to selling door to door or selling office supplies door to door, uh, walking around with my little bulletin, little catalog. They could be like, here, what do you need? Yeah. I'll an order for you. Oh, it was ridiculous. So that, that's like one of those Ponzi scheme things. Don't do it. Oh, I've uh, already done one of them. <laughs> but I learned a lot. I did a, a Southwestern uh, selling books door to door. And well, a friend who did that same one. Yeah. You'd be surprised if you look at their alumni sheet, how many are extremely successful politicians, CEOs, entrepreneurs. I learned so much in that. Like it just, it kind of kicks a 18 or 19 year old college students in the butt and puts them in the real world. And they're like, figure it out. And I learned so much. It helps you understand like that when someone tells you, no, it's not the end of the world. It's just like, and it's not no to you. It's yeah. No, I don't need that. Or I don't want that right now. Like exactly. So, but which helps in like the job world as well. Like when you're looking, when you're interviewing and things like that, like, no, it's not that bad. You're going to be okay. So, I feel like that, anything in general. Yeah. I think it works with your role too, as um, the senior product manager, that when you hear an engineer say, no, we can't do that. You go, okay, hold on. Why can't you do that? What yeah. can we do? Yeah. No, it's not okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's totally true. Like those rebuttals become really important. And again, like that's, that's even just in real life where you always get people telling you like different things and like you got to figure out ways to understand like are they saying no to the thing you're offering or is it to you or is it because they're upset with something else like even just in conversations especially like political conversations where it's like there's this this yell this no when you're like okay where, where are we going with this like what's what's this reaction? So it helps in, in a variety of different aspects. So yeah, I, I mean, I only did that job for three months. Um, but I'm with you. Like I learned so, so, so much, which helped like throughout the rest of my careers. After, oh, so also, so when I graduated, I was 20. That job was like almost a 24 seven job because we were traveling all over the place. So I was finally like, all right, I just want a job where I can go with my friends and uh, go downtown and not think on a Friday. So I became a um, office manager or a secretary, administrative assistant, I think is what it's officially called, at a company. Lasted there for 
a year longer than I wanted to because the economy crashed and then moved on. My friend was working at a company called Charity Dynamics and he got me a job doing support there, uh, which was my first foray into anything really um, tech related at all. And so that really piqued my interest there and got me interested in the tech world, which I'd never been exposed to at all, simply because like that's just not something anyone knows about where I'm from. Yeah, I feel the same way. Like as soon as I moved to Austin, um, truthfully, like meeting Dan and having building a circle of friends that are in that world, I just was like, what am I doing with my life? (laughs) Different culture and a lifestyle and just like a different way of thinking about things. I had no idea that those jobs even existed. My mom at one point asked me, she was like, if we'd have put you, like if you'd have, what did she say? Something about like, would you have done this as a kid? And I'm like, you know, gone this path. I was like, I didn't know that this existed, like at all. I couldn't even tell you because we had no classes. Like you took typing classes, but that's as close to a computer you got. Right. Like we barely had the internet. I didn't get the internet to high school. Same. Um, that's yeah. one of the, th- that, that's one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast is to develop content for little girls. And cause I think the same thing, like when I was in school, I was like, Oh, I could be a veterinarian or I could be a doctor or I could be a teacher. Right. Like, those are like the things you did. That was it. Yeah. And though my like children's book series is going to be focused more on empowering little girls. I think the same could be said that just in general, children like we don't know what's out there and what weird odd end jobs are out there that you actually need positions for (laughs) right right yeah i mean you're stuck with what your parents know which could easily be nothing or everything like yeah my parents didn't know so how was i supposed to know the entire community didn't know right and it's a very cultural thing too depending on where you grew up or if you traveled a lot as a family unit Exactly. No, that's totally true. Like, again, our culture is like, you don't go anywhere, you don't travel, you have everything you need right here, your entire family is here, why would you leave it just means that you just have the same ideas and the way of life as everyone did before you and you don't really get exposed to anything unless you escape. Yeah, and it's hard to think about things from different perspectives if you've never been immersed in a different culture or if you've never met somebody with the Yeah, you've never had your values questioned. That that's I think the big thing. It's like when you live in a place like that, everyone thinks the same as you. But when you leave, again, like when I went to UT, oh my God, my values were questioned daily and I was feeling attacked because I'm like, oh my God, this has never happened to me before. Like everyone always just believes the things that I believe and now it's a a disaster, but it opens your mind and gets you into this growth mindset that anything is possible because everyone has taught me all of these different things. Yeah, I think I experienced, well, I went to A&M, so it was probably, it was a good transition for me because it, I came from a very small town as well. So it was like similar, but it was still a big campus. Of, yeah. Of, let me just launch off into the outer space. Right. You're like, oh, I'm from this small town. I'm going to go to weird Austin. <laughs> the, the little blue dot in Texas. <laughs> yeah, but I think. I learned a lot in college as well, just from have being exposed to different people that came from, you know, I, my friends were from out of state. So there was a lot, exactly what you said, being questioned and 
I, I learned to question my own beliefs and that if my beliefs were being questioned, it wasn't a bad thing. I wasn't, I think that was a thing. It's like, you're not being attacked per se. It's, it's asking more why and understanding yes. the why. Definitely. Definitely. Which is very important. And, and again, especially now where we're all just kind of yelling at each other and it's like, oh, it's maybe listen a little bit. It'll be all right. You learn something new. Yeah. All right. So the podcast is called Underestimated Stories for Women. Can you think of a time, any type, any, either it's career or maybe it's your home life, anything that you can think of that you have felt underestimated and what did you do to overcome it? Um, as far as being underestimated goes, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of cliches around like, oh, I'm a woman in tech and you know, I was trying really hard not to ask that question. (laughs) To be perfectly honest, I actually don't really feel that way. I feel like I've been surrounded by a lot of amazing people who have pushed me along. I've got some friends who have been in the tech industry for longer than I have. And so they've been amazing mentors when it comes to what I should be doing in my career, what my different salary or salaries should be and like in helping me move along. So I feel like I've done a pretty good job being forceful in that manner to get what I want because I know what I deserve because of these mentors that I've had, which has been really, really nice. I don't think that enough women have that. And I think that would be really, really important. Um, And something that I try to be transparent about as well. Like I try to be very transparent about my salary when someone's trying to move up or, or figure different things out, regardless of like what their ages are or where they are. I, I try to make sure that I can be helpful there because I don't think it makes any sense for that to be in the dark when you're trying to help people. Cause that's the only way that I've figured it out at all. Otherwise I'd have load ball myself this entire time. And then you can't really go anywhere with that. Right. I completely agree. There's been so many times, especially I think that's a challenge if like me going into a place where I'm trying to somewhat shift the industry I was in. And that was, that was something that's hard is like, I know what I'm making now. I know <laughs> what they're yeah. offering me. Yeah. Those things don't matter. Like what you're making now has nothing to do with what this job is supposed to pay you. Right. So I, especially for women and for girls, like you've got to get away from that and you've got to get away from being like, well, what can I live on? Or like, what, what do I really need? It's like, no, it's like what that job it's paying people. Like, that's what you should get. It has nothing to do with you. It's the job, what it should cost. You know, it takes the personal pieces out of it as well when you're trying to negotiate where it's like, no, this isn't about me as a woman. This is about what this job does. Like, it has nothing to do with what my last salary was or where I've been. Who cares? So have you ever felt underestimated in trying to make job shifts, job changes? Have you ever been in a role where you felt underappreciated? Um, I've had only one job where I have had a guy take credit for my work. Well, that place was generally shady. That was just, that was more of a culture problem. I'm not even, I don't even want to talk about it because I don't believe it's a rampant problem in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, again, most of the places I've been have appreciated my strong personality. To be fair, two places have not and I was fired, so <laughs> <laughs> which is totally okay. <laughs> Why don't you talk about that a little bit? I think okay. that's important, um, especially in this time now when people might be going through a lot of layoffs. 
I think it's a good reminder that if you are vocal about what you believe is mm-hmm. right, and maybe that's not a culture fit for where you're at, and you get let go. <laughs> Very important. Uh, yeah, so the first time um, was early in my career. Basically, my boss hired p- yes people. If you disagreed with her, she didn't like it. And so I was constantly, I'm, I'm, I'm a why asker. Like, why am I doing this? Like, I need to understand what you're trying to get me to do so that I can, one, do it correctly, and two, do it appropriately. Like, I can't. you can't just tell me to go build a bridge. I need to know, why is this bridge getting built? Is it to get animals across or cars across? Like, how this happened, or like, what it's going to be is, complete, is going to be completely different for, like, how I build it. And so... I just need to know all of the context so I can make the right decisions. And she hated it. Oh, she hated it. Yeah, I got, it was just straight up fired from, for personality issues. Like it wasn't even like, I was like, we just don't like you. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> not a problem. Uh, so left that. And again, that was actually in the middle of a, the recession. And so my parents were like, you need to come home. And I'm like, no, I'm staying here. My life is here. Um, which how did that make you feel when you were let go? And how did you get through that? I mean, I felt horrible. I mean, obviously it was terrible. I got let go on a Monday, so I couldn't even like really go out with any of my friends to drown my sorrows because they were all working. It was horrible. Isn't there uh, a rule that you're supposed to do that on Fridays? I'm pretty sure it's a Yeah, it, I don't, it's not like a real rule, but they were like, well, this will allow you to, you know, find more jobs or something. And I'm like, that's a lie. I just feel like shit. Um, but yeah, it was horrible. It makes you feel like you've done something wrong. Like it was the first time that I was no longer an A student and was like, what's wrong with me? And nothing was wrong with me. It was really just a cultural problem. Like I wouldn't even say there's, I'm not really a fan of this boss that I had, but like it wasn't really wrong with her either. I just didn't fit in that culture and that was perfectly fine. But they made it, it made me feel like, oh, I don't know how to do my job. I'm never going to get a job again. And that's just not the case, like, at all. So after three months, I was getting really close to running out of money. But I got, oh, yeah, a job at, like, the people that, at a different company called Convio. And so that was actually really amazing. And I met some lifelong friends there. And so it was, like, and after that, like, you realize, like, oh, it actually, it really has nothing to do. So that's what people should know, like when they get let go, or again, even fired, where it's like more or less your fault. It's not your fault. Like, again, it's a personality clash, but like, that's okay. Like, you're not meant to be everywhere. How do you feel about that situation and how it progressed you to get to where you are now? Oh my gosh, if that had not happened to me, I would not have, I seriously just wouldn't be here now because basically it taught me to rethink what I wanted to do. So in that job I was doing support, which is perfectly fine and great. And I learned a lot, but it, it's a bit repetitive when you get asked the same questions all the time. And so it made me realize like, Oh, what I really want to do is go do marketing campaigns. And again, I was still in my writing phase at that point. And so I had the next step in my vision And so basically, yeah, so I was running out of money. So I took a sales internship job just because one, I needed things to do and and I needed something. And so I didn't necessarily wanted to do sales, but I had friends at this company and it just got me a foot in the door. And that was kind of another thing that I really learned where it's like, 
going backwards, because I mean, again, this was an internship. Who has an internship when you're 23 or 24? Like, that's crazy. But it really makes you realize, like, there's no egos involved when it comes to getting where you want to go. If you want to go do this job, like, yeah, you've got to start at the bottom, or you've just got to get a foot in the door, or you've just got to go figure it out. Like, nothing's going to get handed to you, ever. And so that's what I did. And once I got in there, I was able to meet a bunch of different people who got me into the position that I wanted. And then from there, it just exploded into moving around and figuring out a bunch of different things within these tech companies and doing more or less all of the jobs to figure out what I really wanted to do, which is another thing about having a job. Like sometimes you get one and it's just to realize like that's not the job you should be doing. So, which is the second time I got fired. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think I love you and I have taken completely different approaches to our careers. Uh, I was always a very loyal employee. I will do the crappy job forever as long as you want me to. And I expect you to reward me for it. And I, it took me a long time to learn that you have to be the squeaky wheel. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You have to ask for what you've deserved and for what you've earned. You -hmm. you have to earn it. You can't. You've got to be loud. You don't get anything being quiet. And then I also learned that um, staying in one position, because I was in one position, my first job out of college for six and a half years. Yeah. I, I learned a lot in it. Like I, I really perfected that role, but there's so many other things. I feel like I kind of took a step back because there's so other, many other things I could have learned by taking on other positions. Let, let's be honest, like millennial generation is called like the job hopper generation. But truthfully, I feel like, by doing that, you learn so much more. You, I honestly agree with that. I mean, again, that's more or less what I have done. And so, and now like with that, like I, I was having some trouble with a success manager earlier this week and, I, and I'm like, and I got a little rowdy with it of just like, no, go figure it out yourself. And, and so I was like, man, I'm gonna get in trouble for that. But I was like, you know what? I've done that job. I know what they do and they can go do that. Like that's 100% within their purview. Like leave me alone. it helps with perspectives as well because you also understand again especially as a product manager because you've got to work with everybody like you understand the things that are causing them pain and why they may respond in a certain way or do certain things and so it gives you a little more empathy to help solve their problems without being a bit of a butthead about it yeah I completely agree like I think Some of the things that I've learned is one, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Yeah, true. Regardless of industry, there's so many jobs when I was somewhat looking that I was like, I'm overqualified for this and wouldn't even get a call. (laughs) Yeah, it's rough. And then two, it's, um, yeah, you just, you got to be patient with other people because, and you, I think the more experience you have in what their roles are entail and understand their perspective, mm-hmm. the easier your job becomes because you can communicate in a lens that makes sense to them. Right. Exactly. It, it, which again, like having that empathy for, for all of the pain that they're dealing with. And again, that perspective is just really helpful to not necessarily manipulate, but get to where y'all are both in a really good spot. So manipulation means that you're just kind of screwing one person over, but this like 
helps you talk to people in a way where you both feel like you're winning. Yeah. A mutually beneficial relationship. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what is something that you're like the most proud of in, in life? Yeah. I'm most proud of, I mean, I'm pretty pumped about where I've gotten myself, what, what, who I've become and, and all of that. Like, again, growing up where I did, this just wouldn't have been on my list of like things that I ever thought would happen. Like I travel, I travel by myself. I'm an extremely independent person and I wouldn't have been able to do any of those things following the path that was kind of laid out for me as a kid. And so I'm very, what was that path that described that path that was laid out for you? Sure. I mean, like just your typical family life. Like when you're a kid, you know, I I had a lovely family where it's like, you can be whatever you want to. It's so awesome. Like do whatever you want. But like when you get older, it really becomes like, no, do whatever you want in this box that we've given you. Um, As long as it's in here, it's fine. And um, it's not in there. We're going to ask you a lot of questions (laughs) and go, really? (laughs) Like, so again, like, you know, it's getting married. It's having kids. It's like, staying in your one spot like why are you in Austin why don't you move home or like oh my god how are you traveling to Europe why would you want to go there like that was what got asked me like the first time I traveled like why would you even want to go there and I'm like what are you talking about why wouldn't you (laughs) (laughs) like are you kidding me there's a whole world out there have you seen it (laughs) (laughs) and so yeah so it was just this very strict path of like what is expected of women And I'm very pleased to have like broken out of that. Again, I, I travel, I, I have this job. I'm like, I like to say I'm pretty successful. I like, and I can take care of myself and that's very, very important to me. And uh, yeah, and I'm proud of that. I'm proud that I don't have to rely on people because I already know what I'm doing. I know how to figure things out. I, I don't have to do the things that people just expect me to do. I can do whatever the hell I want to. And it's, and that's liberating. Yeah. And I think it's also, you're just in charge of your own happiness. You yeah, know? exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I know we were texting the other day where it's, or yesterday where it's just like, like with the whole marriage thing. And it's like, I don't have to do any of these things. I don't have to do anything in a particular order. Like, and that's, I guess what I'm most proud of is just figuring that out. Is, you know, because it took a long time to be like, oh, I need to get married. So if I get married, I can have kids. If I have kids, they'll take care of me when I'm old. That's a thing. <laughs> and so and it's like, and I've gotten to the point where I was like, actually, like, if those are things that I want, that's great. But like, I don't have to get married to have kids. You can, in fact, have kids without a ring on your finger. Um, I don't have to have kids to be taken care of when I'm old. I can actually just have retirement and figure that stuff out myself. Like you just need a plan. Like, yeah. and so that was kind of the best thing in general is figuring out that, you know, the world is my oyster and I don't really have to do anything I don't want to. And it, there's not an order and there's, yeah, there's no hierarchy of life. It's just, I'm just going to go, go figure it out. I always felt weird um, growing up because I felt like I ha- had to want to be married and I had to want children. And I've never been one that was like, 
I've never been a baby person. I love like my yep. nieces and my nephews and that's it. I, I mean, I, I can't stand, I don't, I don't like friends passing me their babies and yeah. I feel really weird about it. I feel like I'm supposed to want to do that. And I'm just like, no, I don't know. Like, I'm not a mother. I don't know how to hold your baby. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> right. And it, it, I think it's really weird when you grow up in a, any place, it doesn't have to be a small town, but just a very close knit community that doesn't have a lot of diversity in it, that you just, Everybody does this thing the same way. And then if yeah. you're like, I don't, do I want to? It's like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Like, and I'm like, nothing. I just have these other goals or just don't want to. That's a legit answer. Yeah. Do I want to because I want to or do I want to because this is all I've seen? Oh, yeah. I mean, like when I was growing up, I wanted to have five kids because they would all have all of their kids and then they would all have all of their kids and like when you're my grandparents you would be 25 (laughs) like my grandparents like have worth based on how many great grandchildren they have like it's like currency it's crazy and and so it was just like getting away from that has been a relief I really enjoyed going off to college and I enjoy, I paid my, myself, my way through school myself. And that was one of the most liberating things was, well, I, I respect my parents. I always took their advice or listened. And I do that with anybody. I think you can learn so much from other people if you just shut up and listen, but (laughs) I learned so much by not having, like, they couldn't tell me what to do. I would listen to them and get their advice but I didn't have to do anything they said. So yeah. I, I learned a lot and I really just grew from that situation. Yeah. No, I, I have the same thing where I was like, yeah, you're welcome to tell me anything, but uh, that is not going to motivate me to do it. <laughs> <laughs> it could, but it may not. <laughs> no, the best way is one, one of your questions and the thing was like, what motivates you? And I'm like getting told that I can't do something. And my mom started to figure it out like later in high school where it's just like, you can't, you can't do that or this and that. I'm like, oh, you want to watch me? It's like, that's the best way to get me to do anything. And so again, going back to like how parents tell you to do things, like they eventually figured that out. Yeah. I, uh, that almost got me in trouble once, not trouble, but, um, my mom straight up told me, oh, you can't, you can't do the army. You can't do military. You're too stubborn. And I was just like, oh yeah, watch me. And, but I was like, I really don't want to do that. <laughs> she's, she's actually right there. Like, no, I, I'm really against like listening and taking orders. Yeah, I, I, I like, to not like being told what to do. Right. <laughs> we talked a lot about your career path. Can you think of any other challenges in your life that you're, that just like scream out at you that you had to overcome that was a really hard time for you? Um, career-wise or personal? Whatever comes out to you. I mean, like, we've just, I mean, again, I, I kind of go back to the same topics I, I feel like, but again, like, challenges were getting to Austin, challenges, I mean, like, breaking up with my boyfriend to, like, go do, like, to just break free and be able to go do, like, what I needed to do and what I wanted to do traveling alone things like that um but all of those things like i was thinking earlier i was like oh the challenge the main challenges that i have had was like being in my 20s 
where you're just really figuring out who you are and um, and how to push through that. Um, challenges now are currently working from home all day, but that's not too fun. But but yeah, like I feel like the life that I the, or not the life the decisions that I made in my early twenties around like being a bit rebellious and breaking free of like all of these norms that were put in front of me is really driven who I am today. And I think that like, especially for young people, making sure that you're not just sticking in that box and trying new things, like there's nothing wrong with the box. Like you have to get out of it to know that the box is where you wanna be. And so that was all very, very hard. Like change is hard. Figuring out new things is very hard. And you just have to not be afraid of it. And so, like, again, I, I get autoimmune disorders every time that, like, my body stresses out too much. And that certainly happened. But, like, I wouldn't trade any of that stuff. Like, all of that stuff has made me who I am and um, has gotten me this far in my career and even just personal life. Because without those risks, there are zero rewards. Like, you've got to figure it out. What helped push you to keep taking those type of risks and keep challenging yourself? Um, what helped me? I mean, part of it's personality, but also you've got to be brave in the fact that like, again, if you're told no, or if you fail, it's okay. Like those are parts of the problem. Like I think whatever that quote is where it's like, you know, um, you failed 99 times on the hundredth try, you succeeded, like, and then again, like those little iceberg things where it's like, oh, success. And there's like all this, you know, iceberg at the bottom of like just stuff that you had to go through to get there. Like knowing that this is a journey and that there are bigger things to come, like regardless of if you fall down, like get back up and go figure it out again. But I think people get scared and I have several friends that are like this where it's like, they do the same thing because it's their comfort zone and because they're too scared to go out and, and fail. But it's like, but again, like, they're like, how, how did you do all of these things? Like, well, I wasn't afraid to take the risk. I mean, and again, like you guys have seen me fall on my face multiple times. Again, I got fired twice. Like, and during those times you're like, Oh my God, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I don't know. Get another job. It's not a big deal. Start job hunting. Yeah. Like, so again, I, th I think really it's just, you can't be afraid of failure. And when you are, that's where you just get stuck. I feel that um, I've been through multiple companies and have been through multiple layoffs and I just don't have a fear of being laid off. I yeah. Well, I, once it happens to you once and especially twice, it's like, okay, I can do this. this well, that's what's so funny is it's actually, I've never been laid off, but I don't, I mean, I'm sure I'd be upset if it ever happened, but I don't know. I just, I take so much comfort in my own work ethic and my own skill set, And I think that did take a lot to learn that. And I think it took doing exactly what you did, putting myself through challenges and trying out new things, but I've just seen myself overcome those things, but I, yeah, maybe it'll suck for a few months. Maybe it'll suck longer than a few months, but. Yeah. But the thing to know is that it will always be okay. Like yeah. regardless of whether or not like you're religious or anything like that, like this idea that everything happens for a reason, in my opinion, like really helps me get through those hard times where it's like, this was meant to happen. It will be okay. 
it's true that I can't see the light at the end of the tunnel right now, but I'll get there. I just got to keep moving forward and figuring things out and trying new things. And so, and it's, and that's been true for every time that those quote unquote failures happened where it's just like, that job was horrible. I actually did not enjoy working with those people. Like that was a blessing, (laughs) uh, you know, and it led to bigger and better things. Like as an example, um, I recently just quit my job. Like I didn't get laid off, but it was like, this is not going well. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not aligned with what I'm doing or what I signed up to do. Like, I was like, look, I got to get out of here. And so I quit. And, and again, it was just this idea that's like, everything will be fine. But like, because I did that, like the next job that I got, like within a year, my salary increased by like 30, $40,000. Like you also don't move up without taking those risks as well. Like if you're just stuck at the same job and doing the same thing, like they're only going to like bump up your salary a certain percent. Like you can't move up and, and like really get higher in your pay scale without taking those risks. And so uh, that really worked out well for me, which was nice, especially before the COVID stuff happened. So I'm a little bit lucky there, which is another thing. Luck is, is very much involved. So I think, uh, well, what is that saying? Um, success happens when hard work and opportunity meet. Yes, that's, that's absolutely right. Like you can't get lucky if you don't get off the couch. Yeah, I can't. I, I think I really botched that, uh, that expression. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you're close. I mean, like there's no opportunity if, if you're just doing mediocre jobs and just kind of floating through life, like when the opportunity comes, you're not going to be prepared to like take that by the horns, which again is that whole point where I was saying like, we're my friends where it's like, they feel like they're stuck. And I'm like, well, you had a lot of chances to change your path, but you were too scared to your hard work, but you didn't take the opportunity. You gotta have, you gotta be okay with that. Cause it will come. But again, you gotta, that's where the lucky part is where it's just like knowing where that opportunity is and be like, Oh yeah, I'm going to do that. And then going for it. But, yeah. And then and be okay if it doesn't it. work out and just, yeah. all right, what do I do now? You just readjust. Yep. Exactly. So out of all of your experiences, um, I mean, life, career, coming from small town, boxed culture, um, pushing yourself a lot, growing, changing your career, changing the industry you're in so many times, what is, what would be some advice that you would want to be portrayed for a little girl around six or eight? What would you want her to get out of those lessons you've learned? I think the best thing, and I think that this was something that my mother instilled in me and, and again, she probably regrets it, but like you can go and do and be anything that you want to, like, don't let anyone tell you differently. Don't, again, this used to be like, cause I had nothing but guy friends and they would be like, you can't do that or this. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I can. Because like, I don't see your gender. I don't see my gender. Like you're just some person that I'm going to beat. And so being okay with that and like not caring about, again, that box you're supposed to be in is probably the best advice I was given and can give myself where again, like being that super strong person and 
and not being, not feeling a certain way just because of, of what your gender or your sex is like, they're like, no, I, I am just a human and I'm going to crush this. Uh, it's almost like, don't let anyone else box you in. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. Where it's like, you can't do this because you're a girl. And I'm like, oh, watch me. Mm-hmm. I will do it better. We used to have those t-shirts. I don't know if uh, you ever had them, but it was like, again, I played sports my entire life. And it was like, throw like a girl or kick like a girl. And it was like these very empowering things where it was like, girls are better than boys. And it was like this like, awesome, powerful, like girl culture. And like, Oh, it was, it was amazing. But like, that's what I grew up in. And it was like, don't tell me what to do, you little boy. Like, I will crush you. Yeah, I think um, I grew up with a very similar mentality because I have a twin brother. I grew up <laughs> down a dead end street with nothing but guys. And I had a stepbrother that was like 11 months older than us as well. So I hung out with the guys all the time, climbed trees, built forts, <laughs> went hunting, yeah. all of the fun stuff. It makes you strong in, in life too, because it's like, again, you can't, no one can tell you what to do. Yeah. I did have like a, I I've mentioned this story a couple of times in my podcast. Like, um, when, when it came to chores, my job was to do the dishes and the boys got to do the outdoors stuff. Oh, I had the same thing. I hated it. Same. It drove me crazy. Yeah. Oh, I, I absolutely hated it. Cause it, yeah, cause I was just stuck inside all day until it was like, the weekend and like we had to go fix fence or something and I was like no everyone can help do this yeah the segregation of chores was horrible I hated it um I think that's so I think it's not only don't let people box you in don't let the culture you grow up in box you in that's a good point yeah I agree with that as well like go like just again you're welcome to come back to the box if you want to but you should go figure out if you like what's outside of it first right Okay. So uh, one of my favorite parts of my podcast is the brainstorming part because every book that I make in this series is going to be based off of one of, off of an interview and the person in the interview. So Ruthie is a name based off of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Chloe is in it as well. Her character is shaping up quite nicely because her character um, talks mostly about food and drools a lot. (laughs) Perfect, Chloe. (laughs) (laughs) So what is the situation that Ruthie can come across in her book where she's embodying your spirit? Um, I see something like out working out on the ranch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could, honestly, it kind of goes a couple of different ways. Like, yeah, like being a super strong, um, female character, child, like out on the ranch doing all of the things that guys are supposed to be doing, like working cows, fixing fence, um, you know, digging your holes and things like that. But then like another thing as well is like that independent phase where it's like, so that's like, I'm strong as you, you know, I can do anything that you are. But there's also like the independent phase, which I think is probably stronger in me where I like to think of you know, again, like how I travel alone all of the time is like, I don't have to wait for friends to go explore things. I don't have to wait for some dude to like agree to go explore things like just 
having a, a goal to go find a new adventure and seek it out without waiting for anybody to come along. Like, I think that that's, a, like, again, probably stronger for me as like an independent person where it's just like, eh, I don't need to wait on you. We're just going to go do this. And so, and it Not was, a good old time. yeah. And that was like the first example of me, like figuring that out, to be honest, is I went on a vacation with out anybody and or I mean it was a group trip but I didn't know about anybody on it and it was the first time I was like I could totally do this by myself like you just go figure things out so that would probably be best where it's like where people are telling you like no stay home or like you're crazy like it's dangerous out there it's like no it's not I can do this <laughs> <laughs> all right so Ruthie is between six and eight all right. So uh, after listening to you, I was like, it would be fun. And I'm also thinking about our conversations we had yesterday and then some of the conversations from today. So it would be cool going back to that, that box that we're all put in yeah. mm-hmm. from our upbringings. Um, it'd be cool that if uh, maybe it's a group of girls, they're all playing dress up and planning their weddings at six or eight. Yeah. And they're like, looking at Ruthie who's you and thinking that Ruthie's really weird because she's running around with her map treasure hunting or <laughs> I don't know yeah, totally cool yeah I think that that would actually be really fun because like no let's get outside let's go have this adventure and I guess like the other side of the oh this wedding's an adventure is like nah, that's the only adventure you're ever gonna have like let's go do this other stuff yeah. So I think I can really elaborate on that. That would be fun. And I just see it <laughs> reminds me of how I met your mother in Ted's red cowboy boots. I I just love any illustration with with little girls in red boots and I can see Yeah, oh, that would be so cute. <laughs> I did I used to have a red pair of boots, so that'd be perfect. <laughs> Maybe she gets stuck in quicksand and Chloe has to save her. I don't know. I'm just having fun. Yeah, that would be cool. I mean, even thinking like, because again, I grew up on a farm and we used to do that all of the time. My brothers and I were, it's just like, you just make up your own, like, she doesn't have to be doing anything real. It's just in her imagination. Like, you make up your own thoughts and ideas, like climbing the trees and now you're in a jungle and, and things like that. Where That's the yeah. best thing about being a kid in general is like, I mean, to be fair, adults should do this more too, but like living in whatever world you want to. I love the idea of like Ruthie, like maybe she's invited to the sleepover. The girls are all playing dress up and she's like, well, how about we do this? Let's go play outside. And they don't want to. So then she leaves and goes and plays outside. Well, and that's another good point because it, there's also like an element of like not giving into peer pressure either, Mm -hmm. where it's just like, there's this group of people that are all wanting to do this thing. And like you said, thinking you're weird because you want to do this other thing. And then you just being like, I don't care. I'm just still going to go do it. Like whatever y'all want to do. Cause like, I do think that young people, especially like get sucked in with like, Oh God, maybe I am weird. Maybe I should just stay here and do this. And then you're miserable. Like just do what you want to do. You don't have to do anything. I mean, otherwise like. Right. I, I think that takes a long time for, for people to learn that lesson, especially yeah, if, if you're younger and you're in like high school or middle school. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that that is a lesson that has to really get taught by your parents. I mean, to, to get it early, 
where it's just like, who cares what they think? Like, I, I remember the first lesson that I really got that with my mom, where it's just, I was in middle school and like, my friends were being mean to me and she's like, you don't need them. You have other friends or you can just go make new ones, like ignore them and go off. And I'm like, oh, but they won't like me. And she's like, who cares? Like, they're not that nice anyways. And so when I left them and then one, I made new friends and two, they started being nice to me again. So like, you just have to be bold enough to be like, screw you. I'm not going to be a part of this. I'm a strong believer in cultivating the people you spend time with. And that will, will help you grow more than anything else by making sure you cultivate the right people you spend your time with. It'll help give you a healthier mindset. If you surround yourself with people that whine and complain all the time, you're probably going to be that. Yeah, no, you, you become your friends and become the people that you hang out with. And I'm a big believer in that too. I've currently got a group of friends that like our values are just not matching anymore. It's like, I have all of these other groups, like our values match, like, and they make me be a better person. When I'm with you guys, I'm just like, you know, closer to the lowest person on the totem pole. Like you're only as strong as the people, the strongest person that is with you. Like it's the same with like teams or whatever. Like your team is only, or your team is only as strong as the weakest person in your group. Right. I feel that same way about friends as well. Because it's so much easier to be brought down than it is to yeah. bring somebody up. Definitely. Definitely. So yeah. Yeah. I really like that. Honestly, you're, you're really inspiring me to go hang out with some of my other friends. <laughs> so I, I didn't do that. You talked yourself into it. Do this. Well, I know that mentorships have really helped you and yeah. I do think it's hard to find good mentors. So I'd like to end the podcast with, um, if you're open to it, if, if somebody's out there, if there's a woman out there looking for a mentorship, whether in her career or whatever, just likes the way you think, how was the best way for her to reach out to you? Oh, good question. Um, I guess at this point, like shoot me a note on LinkedIn. I would be happy to to help anybody. I, again, because like mentors have helped me so much, I'm a strong believer in paying it forward. Like, I don't believe that we get anywhere alone, even if it's from a stranger or anything like that. Like sometimes you like just need to get a foot in somewhere. Like, I guess I always tell people that I meet where it's like, find me on LinkedIn. Like we, even if we don't necessarily talk or anything, if you're looking for a job, look at, all of the places I've been, all of the people that I know, if you see that someone I know works at a place that you're looking at, tell me and I'll reach out to that person and then see what's up and and see where we can get you. Like usually just need someone to be like, Oh yeah, I know that person. It's fine. And so, yeah, I actually helped get a job that way that I didn't know very well. Where it's like someone on LinkedIn reached out to me. I was like, Hey, do you want this job? I'm like, not really. I'm cool right now, but I actually have this other person who would probably be good for it. And they're like, okay, whatever. But like three months down the road, they're like, all right, we still need some help. And they reached out to him and he got it. Wow. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah. I think connecting people is really important. All right. So then I will post your, your LinkedIn, Miss Larissa Tater. Cool. That's how, that's how you see your name, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just, just Tater, is, Tater as in taught. 
<laughs> it's just such a fun last name that I, it feels wrong saying it because it feels like it's. Oh, people are always so nervous about it. Or it's like, I don't want to say it. I'm like, no, that is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be okay. <laughs> I wonder what that last name means. Is it like something to do with growing potatoes? <laughs> Did your family grow potatoes? No, but I mean, like my entire family in the past is just like farmers and ranchers. So who knows? <laughs> Good old well, thank you so much for coming on. I think I, I just, I love your personality. I think you and I have a very similar mindset in how we approach life and how we approach our careers. Awesome. Well, thank you, Crystal. I really appreciate it. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Underestimated Stories for Women. If you enjoy my podcast, please follow me on iTunes, Spotify, or Clips so you can hear my next story. This podcast is sponsored by Clips. Discover podcast highlights of your favorite shows at www.clip.ps.